John, the reviews are in and people are saying we're like the Muppets, Statler and Wardorf. I take it as a compliment personally. You know, they are two old guys, but I'm telling you, they're huge in the 18 to 34 demo, Andrew. Did you see that? Yes, the frog is certainly taking a beating on this show. Yeah, it's hard to feel sorry for him. We take a beating every show. <laughs> <laughs> And we're back. He's John Oran, the media reporter for the Sports Business Journal. I'm Andrew Marshan, sports media columnist for the New York Post. And this is the Marshan and Oran Sports Media Podcast presented by USA Track and Field. John, we're sponsored. Wait, what did you just say? We're sponsored? That's awesome. And by the way, being sponsored by USA Track and Field, that means a lot to both of us, I think. Yeah, well, I, I, listen, I'm a, this has nothing to do with uh, the partnership here, but... I'm a huge USA track and field fan. Been to the Armory in the Bronx uh, many times uh, where they have some of their big events, nationals and, and other events. We know that USA track and field is up. Great decision by them. But let's do who's up and who's down. Who's up? Who's down? Andrew, why don't you go first on this one? My who's up is Adam Schefter. Schefter, we already know, just signed a new $9 million per year contract with ESPN. So that's one reason for him to be up. Another reason, I thought it was a good job by him. Uh, he's a guy who, you know, is always glued to his phone to take a break uh, and go to his son's uh, college graduation, missing the draft. Uh, he somewhat missed the draft. Uh, you know, that seems obvious. Of course, he should be there. You know, in these high stakes world of, of transactions and breaking news, uh, it's sometimes hard to 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 move away from that. He did, he did tweet that Thursday night, first round of the draft. Uh, he did tweet. I, I would think the uh, activities for the graduation might've been over, but he did tweet later uh, in the day. By the way, of course he tweeted. Before I do who's up, who's your who's down? Well, well who's down? It's Adam Schefter. Oh man. <laughs> the <laughs> rare, by the way, this is the rare twofer up and down. Why is he down? So right before the draft, uh, he tweeted out that each year, unexpected players sneak into round one. One possibility this year is USC pass rusher Jake Jackson, whose agent, Drew Rosenhaus, of all people, Drew Rosenhaus' agent, said that multiple teams predicted to him Wednesday that Jackson, who had 15 top 30 visits, would be a surprise first-round pick. Spoiler alert, he was picked at the end of the second round. Look, our jobs as reporters to give information, but you also have to judge the information. And in this case, Schefter's kind of doing a Rosenhaus bidding for him. And I just don't understand why you would do that. Maybe there's a little quid pro quo. I mean, that's possible. I don't know that's the case here. I just, when you put out that information, I, I just don't know what Schefter's really thinking there. Um, because, and I, does it really fool other teams into picking uh, this guy earlier because Schefter tweets it out? So, uh, you know, that's the thing that, you know, as Twitter and social media has become um, more part of the media, uh, you know, little things like that. Schefter's always kind of in those uh, discussions, especially over the last year or so, um, in terms of how he does his job. And I just felt that was a weird tweet. So he got my who's down for that one. Yeah, you know, his Twitter feed is a powerful uh, tw Twitter feed. He has nearly 10 million uh, people that are following him. There's no such thing for Adam Schefter giving sort of a throwaway tweet like that. Uh, his tweets actually do matter. And they don't move. They move markets like within inside the NFL. They don't necessarily. They obviously don't move 
uh, financial markets, but it's us. Yeah, they moved his financial market because one of the reasons he had so much leverage, besides the fact he does a good job and he breaks a lot of stories, of course, uh, and big stories, uh, is he had such a great social following. So the gambling companies, they still, the way the contract's carved out, he still might be able to do a gambling deal on top of the $9 million per year. But uh, the gambling companies want to reach all those people. And so they're kind of bidding for these reporters who have big followings differently than ESPN wants them for their journalism. So uh, so it does have financial implications uh, for Schefter as well. All right, let's talk about financial implications. Who's up for John Oren? Who's down? You know, uh, Chris Ripley of Sinclair was in the news again. It's too irresistible for me not to say Chris Ripley is a who's up. And I, I think he's now more, I've given him the who's up more now than uh, who's downs by this point. But just uh, this week, Chris Ripley announced a new management team that is filled with executives that have a ton of experience in streaming, in local sports. Look, one of the big problems that uh, the, the business has had with Sinclair is that they're moving forward with this direct-to-consumer without people that really know direct-to-consumer. And, and they have now a new board that has Randy Freer on it. He used to run the RSNs when they were with, uh, with Fox Sports. He used to be the CEO of Hulu, so he knows streaming very well. They have David Preschlack. He ran NBC Sports RSNs for, for a long while, and he was also in charge of their gambling uh, uh, operation up there and, and, and trying to find out how to make money off of gambling. These are all areas where Sinclair wants to grow. And so bringing in these people that know a lot about the business has really, from the people I've talked to, it's really calmed uh, folks. There's still, look, DTC, especially a local sports DTC that's likely going to be around $20 a month, that's still a very tough uh, a business to move forward with. But this at least gives Sinclair much more of a fighting chance, in my opinion. Ripley probably has the most who's up, who's down in Marshan Orient sports media a podcast history presented by USA track and field. Um, when, when you look at it, we're in 30 episodes in and uh, he started off a lot of who's downs now who's up. I still, I'm not sold on their plan personally, uh, but, but maybe this is a step in the right direction. All right. Who's, who do you have on who's down? Who's down. I have Eric Carlson, who's a president CEO of dish network. I have him because he oversees sling TV and sling TV had a miserable Sunday this past weekend. They had the um, Warriors-Grizzlies game one, a great game, went down to the wire. And if you were watching on Sling TV, it cut out in the middle of the, of the fourth quarter. Philip Swan, uh, the TV answer man, has been all over this story. Uh, and uh, to me, though, Andrew, it really speaks of the problems of streaming. Could you imagine if a, a cable system had that happen uh, to it? It doesn't happen that way anymore. Uh, or, or if a cable network just kind of went dark and you couldn't see the entire ending of the game. You devoted three and a half quarters of the game and you can't see the ending of it. When, when uh, my pessimism, I think one of the themes of this podcast is I'm a lot more pessimistic about the streaming future for sports that, than you are. And my pessimism is rooted in things like this, like streaming is not ready for big time uh, live sports yet, I think. You know what? Let's put that on the topics. Even though we don't want to always go Amazon, Apple, we need to put that in the topics. We're going to add that to the rundown because I need to go a little deeper than a who's up, who's down there in terms of where we both stand on uh, streaming. I think I'm a little more positive about certain 
uh, streamers. But let's let's move that down. We'll move that. You know what's great about that is I tried to put that in the who's up, who's down, just to have the final word. But yes, let's do that. We'll, we'll change the, the topic list on the fly. That, that's a new topic. All right, if we're going to add it to the topics, let's just make it topic one, Andrew. Okay. Uh, go, what's your point? <laughs> well, so I don't know if streaming is going to be the future if it's, you know, I'm totally bullish. I know that I'm more positive about Amazon's plan than Apple's plan. I'm more positive about uh, ESPN Plus and Disney's all-in plan uh, than I am on others where Peacock and Paramount Plus, I don't dislike them, but they kind of... I don't know if they have the financial might uh, in, in terms of what they've done with the sports plan. Now uh, it could be a smaller business. I also like Fox's plan. They've kind of sat out uh, streaming so far. They do have to be to be, but they uh, have not really put all the money into streaming. So to say that I'm uh, very pro streaming, I don't think that's correct. I'm pro certain plans that might work, might not work but might work as we go into this new digital age in terms of where um, video and sports live programming is going. You're, you're more uh, optimistic about it. I'm more pessimistic about it. I, but I, I didn't mean to say that you're totally pro-streaming. Why, why are you pessimistic? You don't think it's going to work? So what's going to happen? There's a reason that uh, the biggest leagues want to be on broadcast television because they reach the widest audiences and you're able to get casual fans. So people go and they, they channel surf or they, they turn on the television, it's on a broadcast network, and they, they'll watch a, a sport that's on there. That's why you see USFL numbers getting over a million uh, viewers in prime time on, uh, on, on Fox right now. As sports go to cable, you know, you get less of those casual fans. So you, you get, you know, something on ESPN, it's gonna get much more of a casual sports fan. My wife would never be caught going to ESPN, you know, but I could be caught watching a lacrosse game because ha I happen to be on ESPN for the, you know, uh, for what, at the basketball game beforehand. Then if you take that to streaming, you really have to find streaming. The people that, that, that are, are gonna be um, streaming these games are gonna be hardcore fans that are gonna be looking for streaming. And as you pull that back, if you're a league with these rights, yeah, you're going to get some money, uh, but are you going to grow the game? Like, are you going to get more people to attend the games? Are you going to get more? Are you going to sell more merchandise around the games? Are sponsors going to be happy about that? I just think that the, there are other revenues in play that I would be really worried about if I was a team or if I was a, a league. Okay, so let's move into what we had. We'll call it topic two now. And this is the NHL and NBA regular seasons are over. We're now into the postseason. This is the first year of Turner and ESPN's deal with the NHL. They already had deals with the NBA. And I think it's a perfect example. This NHL deal of what we're talking about. So let's get right into that. Um, and so I just let, and let me address what you're just saying, though. Uh, first off, the I think different uh, leagues have, you know, different ways of approaching it. And it matters uh, you know, what you're saying will matter more for a smaller sport trying to grow like soccer, I think is very interesting because more and more stuff keeps going to streaming. And in theory, you're going to have to go find it instead of like you were saying with cable or broadcast, it might find you. And so does that, how do you grow the pie? But if you're the NFL and you're just putting Amazon, you know, Thursday night football on Amazon, you're still doing the, everything else. So then you get to the NHL deal. Okay. To me, what we're going to see with these bigger leagues, not the NFL, but a lot of the, these other leagues, we're seeing it in, in, in some respects with baseball, but with hockey, 
streaming in the regular season is going to be important. So the person that you're saying, the diehard fan who wants every game, can't miss one Ranger or Islander game or Capitals game, they have to have their cable subscription. They have to have ESPN+. Plus. They need it all, and they'll, they're willing to pay for it. Now you get to the postseason, the games are going to be on cable and broadcast. Uh, and you don't need the streaming service, and you kind of see where they're putting the line down in terms of streaming is is more so for the diehard, diehard, regular season person, and then uh, postseason is for more of a broader audience right now with cable and broadcast. Yeah, and what what I'm going to be looking for in this postseason is what the TV viewership is going to be and how that compares to to, to, to past years because – in, in past years, there, have been, there were more games on television, so there was, there was more of an opportunity for, really, for hockey, it was casual sports fans, and get them invested in a team and, 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 uh, and move forward. The NHL deal is a linear TV deal, and it's, uh, you know, if you want to watch the NHL playoffs, you, you can watch them on linear TV through the, the late 2020s, uh, and, and, and that, that's, that's somewhat significant, even though, as you said, Everything is going streaming in the, you know, in, in, in the regular season. But isn't the money in that deal, really, the ESPN money was the build-up ESPN Plus. That's where they really, where it's a digital deal. I mean, that we could argue about this kind of semantics. If it's a digital deal, it's a linear deal. It's both, of course. But I, I really think that a lot of it was to get people in. And I think the one thing that I kind of harp on with Amazon and Apple, it's like when you get people in, you want them to be satisfied. And I think when you look at it, forgetting the money, if that's, you know, was it $400 million they're paying uh, ESPN? Uh, is that If the money is correct and if it's too much, too little, whatever it is. I will say this. If you're a hockey fan and you have ESPN Plus and you like hockey, might like a specific team, it's a great deal. I mean, you're getting almost every game in the regular season uh, just with an ESPN Plus uh, subscription. That, that's pretty good. Not your home team, of course. Out of market, um, you're getting almost every game uh, out of market. That's a pretty good deal. No, I, I think that that was a unique deal that, uh, that, that to, to, to me, is sort of a deal of the future. I mean, I've always liked that than NHL deal because it combined the streaming with the, with the linear. Isn't that what we're all doing, though? You're, you're saying, so wait, you're negative about it. You're saying that's the, the look at me, I'm, I'm getting you like a lawyer here. I know. I, I feel like I'm on, I'm on, like, on trial here. It's Judy. Um, so, but isn't that, so you're saying this is the future. This is like the most recent deal that just went in. Now we have the NFL coming up where there's going to be exactly the same everything except for Thursday night where they're going to bring in Amazon uh, with a tremendous game, by the way. Take the NFL. The NFL is a t totally broadcast deal. There, there's one, there's the worst package that the NFL puts out. That's going to Chargers be on, Chiefs on, first game. Chargers on, on, Chiefs, Patrick Mahomes um, first game. On Thursday night. Uh, but it's a, even, the, even that game, you're going to be able to see in the L.A. market, the number two TV market, and in the uh, in the Kansas City market, uh, all of the all of the NFL games, even if the ones that are uh, I'm using air quotes if you're watching on YouTube, even the ones that are exclusive uh, to to Amazon, you know, those are still going to be available over the air in the local markets. I mean, the the NFL is the epitome of a of a league that wants big distribution and has bet since the early 1970s, since even before that, on broadcast television. The NBA, you know, as, as you've mentioned before, they went to cable uh, with ESPN uh, and Turner when they left NBC. Uh, and now when you look at that next deal, they got some encouraging news uh, so far uh, with their ratings, um, which, again, uh, in the streaming world, we are seeing most 
ratings go up. Um, now I know that has a lot to do with, you know, they're, they're measuring out of home, um, you know, fans who are watching that weren't measured before uh, with Nielsen. Uh, but, but I think that's encouraging for the, for the NBA and because the playoff games are what is really what you're buying. The regular season, especially the NBA, I mean, they got to figure that out. The regular season's terrible. I mean, it's just, you know, it's nonsense. MLB, uh, NBA, NHL, those are all very postseason heavy uh, um, uh, media contracts. But let's, let's talk about, like, round one of the NBA playoffs. There was no LeBron. I mean, remember when, like, Michael Jordan left and the ratings uh, cratered? Everybody thought that was going to happen with LeBron James. Well, this, this has got to be great news if you are an NBA uh, league executive. Uh, there was not one Game 7 in Round 1. And Game 7s, as, as you know, uh, always, like, doubles the, 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 the viewership. I mean, there's a, you see gigantic viewership spikes there. Still, over 43 games... NBA round one averaged almost 3 million viewers, and it was the best TV numbers in four years. I mean, that's, that's significant cons- considering the headwinds that they were, they were going. I mean, if, if, if you're the NBA right now, you're praying for a Celtics-Warriors finals. You're hoping that these, they're not even young stars anymore. These, these established stars keep playing well. And think about Turner and ESPN. You know, for the next six weeks, we're just going to be going every night. Uh, you're going to be on Turner and ESPN. Uh, that's a significant part of the year where you're just stuck on those two networks. Um, and so, again, these deals, you know, whenever they go through, the people don't get it, said the other people pay too much money. So forgetting the money part, they're owning these couple of months with the NBA and the NHL in terms of if you like those sports, you have to have cable. And so, uh, you know, you have to have their networks. Um, you know, obviously ESPN, as we've said, is going to go direct to consumer um, with the mothership uh, within the next four and a half years, uh, where you'll be able to get it on cable and also be able to stream it. Um, I'm sticking to that. Yeah. And, you know, we, we've, of course, circled, everybody's been circling this NBA media rights deal that's, that's coming up. And, you know, if Apple TV Plus is, is really interested in, in sports or Amazon is really interested, I mean, this is, they have to have a target on the NBA saying that we want them. I'm going to be really interested to see. I mean, we see what uh, Disney's strategy is now, uh, and we see it with with the NHL. It's like you want streaming, you want to get the the, the presumably younger audiences that that stream. We have ESPN Plus, we have Hulu that we can put it out there on. Uh, the the uh, you know TNT, they have Bleacher Report, but they also have HBO Max. They have different streaming services that that, that they that they can use there as well. So you can see these traditional media companies that are going to be trying to keep Amazon and Apple at bay by, by telling the NBA, hey, we're longtime partners, we, we take care of you, uh, and we have streaming services as well. All right, let's go back to Linear TV, to ESPN, topic three. I should say ESPN and the NFL Network, uh, ABC as well. The NFL Draft uh, happened between our last pod and this pod. Um, I watched a lot of it. I've been a draft Nick forever. Uh, when I was a kid, I used to just sit and watch. I think it was 12 rounds back then over maybe two days, maybe one day. I don't know. I'd watch every second. Uh, I knew Mel Kuyper was cool before. Well, he's probably not cool, but I love Mel Kuyper. Cool. <laughs> I watched a lot of it. Um, my big takeaway kind of always at these drafts, I want to hear more from the draft Knicks. I want to hear more uh, from, uh, you know, NFL Network. I think D- Daniel Jeremiah is probably the best 
uh, draft expert going right now. And they do feature him a lot. You want to hear more from him. You want to hear more from Kuiper. Uh, I thought Lewis Riddick way better on the draft than he is on games. Uh, that was a big takeaway. I was watching Melissa Stark, uh, NFL Network interviewer with her getting the uh, NBC Sunday night. I didn't think I wanted to see, you know, what type of interviewer is she getting more out of the players when she interviewed? I wasn't, I didn't think she did that great in terms of she was fine but didn't do that great overall um i thought the greenberg goodell interview i mean why do we even do this um you know i don't when you go into it i'm just doing a lot of you know big things john here if you when you go into an interview if the thought is we do not want to hurt our monday night schedule then i don't really think you should do the interview uh and i and i think you know roger goodell is a big boy he could handle some questions they just feel like um you know, uh, too, not friendlies, that's not the right word, but just too uh, choreographed uh, for my liking. And there's really no purpose to them. So that was a, a, a negative. One more um, that I, a negative was Willie McGinnis on NFL Network's pregame show. Um, he kept touting the Pittsburgh Steelers at 20, who were the team that most people thought were going to get a quarterback. We're going to go after Matt Corral. I, I circled that in my notebook, said, ooh, this could be good. I'm going to give McGinnis a lot of credit if that happens. It didn't happen, and so he gets a discredit because nobody else had that, and they kept hearing him say it over and over, and he wasn't mentioned Kenny Pickett, who the Steelers ended up picking out of Pittsburgh. He wasn't mentioning Malik Willis, who I think was the other choice, you know, from what, you know, listening to Mike Tomlin, the Steelers coach. And Did so, he at least acknowledge that, that, that he had missed the pick? I didn't see it after. I don't know if he at some point, but he never, when he was talking about, it, he never mentioned these other guys. He kept saying Matt Corral, Matt Corral. And it was just odd because I was like, wow, this could be amazing. He gets it right. I'm going to give William McGinnis. He, he's got some inside uh, info, but it turned out he did not. TV ratings for this year's draft were down uh, pretty substantially. I think it was the lowest uh, viewership since they added ABC as a broadcast partner on there. I think that was in, in 2018. Um, I, I don't put a lot of stock in that. It was it was sort of a boring lead up to the draft. There weren't a lot of stars. Uh, I, boring's too strong of a word. It, it was a uh, there wasn't a lot of sizzle uh, in the lead up to the draft. You know, no no uh, standout quarterbacks. Uh, nobody knew who knew who the number one pick was going to be, uh, and, and there, the storylines were exactly what you talked about. Because I like to watch that ABC show on in, in the first round. Because I, I, I just like to see these athletes as, uh, as humans. I like to see their family. I like to see sort of the reaction. I love seeing, like, you know, mothers and fathers getting interviewed. I just, it, it, I just think it adds a little something to that. I'm, uh, I'm wondering if ABC, given, uh, given these uh, numbers, you know, what their commitment is to carrying the draft for, you know, they, they had it for, you know, uh, two nights going forward. I think their commitment is whatever the NFL wants them to do, they do. It feels like, I mean, they had, they, you know, they know this is the third year in a row, uh, but they had um, Good Morning Football on ESPN too. Um, you know, I, you know, I think they'll do anything the NFL wants. I, one of their, I want to give Kuiper credit too. Uh, now, it wasn't classic Kuiper like when he went after the Colts and Bill Tobin or the Jets when he said, I don't think they understand the draft. But on the first pick, Trayvon Walker uh, to the Jags from Georgia, uh, he did kind of question that pick. It wasn't like a, he didn't he just the things he said, you could tell he's like, eh, I'm not sure about that one, um, which is good. I mean, that's the overall I always say it's about the NBA draft, about the NFL draft. I know they don't want to ruin these kids' moments by saying they're not good or whatever when they get picked. I get that. And, and I think they should be respectful. It is a community uh, there. But 
not all these picks are going to be good. So every once in a while, I want to hear why this guy doesn't make sense. This one's not going to work out. What I don't like about this person. And it's a little bit too much positive stuff uh, for me. I thought, though, on Walker, Kuiper was pretty good questioning his productivity, um, you know, in terms of his statistics. And so I thought Kuiper did a good job at that. And here's the thing. It's absolutely ridiculous that this is a thing. That this is a spectacle. <laughs> I, mean, I love it. I've loved it before it was as popular as it is now when it was on Saturday mornings. I feel like it was on like Tuesday sometimes. Anyways, but uh, maybe it was always Saturday. But I used to watch all of it when I was a kid. I've always loved the draft. It's I don't know why. I don't know why I love sports media. I don't know why I love the draft. Just a weird person. But now everyone loves the draft. And it's but just at the end of the day, when you take a step back and you're thinking, Okay. And this is the reason why I think it's, I, I tweeted this. It's because it's about hope. It's hope. Every, Absolutely. Yeah. You have hope. You know, if you're, I'm a Steeler fan, oh, they got Kenny Pickett. Hopefully he's our quarterback for the next 15 years. And it's something to root for. And seems like a good kid and, and the whole thing. Uh, even though I kind of wanted Malik Willis because he seems like the greatest guy ever. Um, he, you know, he just seems like such a good, a good young guy uh, out there. But anyways, um, uh, it's not only hope though, because it is hope certainly, but it's like a culmination of all these players' uh, college careers. This is the best day of their life to this point. Hopefully it's gonna, it's gonna get better, but to just get an inside window on that, is I, I can understand why, why the draft is as popular as it is. You want to talk the combine though? That's one I just I can never quite understand. I know the combine. I, yeah, I don't know. Like people are into it. I think also everyone thinks they can be a GM. You know, we all play fantasy football now, um, and so you kind of think, well, you know what? I can evaluate these guys. Um, and so I think there's part of that where you can be like an armchair chair GM, and there's a lot of luck involved. I mean, we can act like everyone knows what they're talking about, and I and I do think scouts and GMs. They know more about what they're talking about than the average person, but there's a lot of luck. I mean, we can go a million things. You know, Dan Marino was picked 27th in the first round of his draft. Uh, Tom Brady, 199 in his draft. So uh, the fact that, you know, we can act like these people all know what they're talking about, but they don't. Uh, You know, there's a lot of luck involved. Uh, A lot of can't miss kids who miss. A lot of guys who are way down there who who make the Hall of Fame. So um, very, very interesting stuff. All right. Andrew, we're about a half hour into the pot already. We haven't talked NFL free agency. I know it's not dead. Give me the quick primer. What do people need to know? So I think the one thing to watch, you know, we've talked about it last week is Drew Brees. Um, I think he is someone who Fox does like. Um, I do get the sense that NBC is soured on on Brees. Uh, I think Brees may be a soured on the NBC situation. Like, I don't know... um, you know, he could end up at Fox. I mean, he's even back next year. I don't know. I just get that sense. Like, I just feel like it's too easy for NBC kind of to say goodbye to Breeze. Um, and so he doesn't want to do studio. Uh, so I do think that's in play. I would say Greg Olson is still likely the um, uh, first choice. But I think Breeze, the longer it goes, you got to think Breeze. Uh, maybe there's a wild card out there that we're not thinking about. Um, I know uh, Michael Strahan has been mentioned, um, you know, uh, which makes some sense, but I don't think it fits into his schedule. And I was told that's not going to happen, but that's a f- fluid situation. We're still waiting. Fox has their upfronts uh, coming up uh, in the middle of this month. And so uh, I'm not sure they're going to have an analyst by then. It could be Kevin Burkhart by himself doing like a Vin Scully. Well, uh, the, the upfronts, which is of course, you know, when they sell their uh, fall schedule to advertisers, that is a big deadline that they have approaching. I mean, my money is that they're going to have to have this done by then. Yeah, it's been pretty quiet now. Maybe it goes quickly. Like, I think if they go after Breeze, uh, it will go fast. I think they'll try to make a move. 
uh, try to make it quick and try to get a deal done uh, with Breeze and then with Olsen as well uh, and go from there and then be able to announce them both. And, you know, I think ideally they'd probably want it at the upfronts, but I don't think they're necessarily going to rush. If it's there, it's there. Um, if it's not, it's not. Um, but, uh, but yeah, it's interesting because th- that, that, you know, we, the Super Bowl, again, they have plenty of time, but the Super Bowl is coming up. If you bring in Drew Brees, let's just say, you think you want to work with him a little bit uh, and see uh, if he's going to be a number one analyst. Maybe he'll be the number two. I, I have said that possibility. Olsen won and Brees in the two slot. Um, you know, that's what Fox could go with. Uh, but uh, but there's contracts that you'd have to you know to to redo and to and to to do. So um, that's an interesting one. It's, it's one we're still watching. All right, let's do some quick hitters. Peacock, they're getting ready to uh, launch their MLB season this Sunday. What are your thoughts, Andrew? Well, I like what they they've done. We've talked about it before. I like the exclusive window. Uh, their first game, Red Sox, White Sox from Fenway Park. It starts at 11:30. No other game will start this Sunday uh, until 1:30, and that will go through Labor Day. There'll be no other game besides the Peacock game uh, till 1:30. Uh, the first six are at 11:30 for Peacock, and then after that, the final I think 12 uh, are at um, noon. So they'll have only an hour and a half exclusive window. But I like the exclusive window as opposed to Apple's Friday, which is exclusive broadcast of those games but then there's a million other games people like their local teams uh and then i like jason benetti i think the great hire um benetti uh is a tremendous play-by-player uh, i thought espn could have gone with him for sunday night baseball as their lead guy uh, him or book shambi they went with carl ravich uh and then they're gonna take an analyst from each side uh you know a white Sox analyst a red Sox analyst they'll do that each week uh, and that will show off benetti's skills even more uh so uh it's, it's interesting. Like I, like I said, I don't know if it'll become a thing. It has a chance to become a thing. And I, I like the window that they chose because it's open season and there's, you know, soccer, uh, but that kind of goes away pr- relatively soon. And so they can kind of own uh, that those two hours where during the summer, there's not that much going on. Yeah. And in, unlike Apple TV plus, which almost tried to reinvent the way they broadcast uh, baseball, this is a traditional broadcast network. It's NBC that owns Peacock that are making decisions to make the best possible baseball broadcasters out there. So I'm, I'm, kind of, I'm anxious to see it. All right, let's do another quick hitter. Uh, Live Golf, uh, the controversial uh, Greg Norman-led new golf league. Uh, John, your thoughts on what's going on media-wise with them? Controversial, also Saudi-backed uh, uh, golf league. Um, you know, I've been talking to a lot of vendors, and the message that they're getting from the PGA Tour is, um, I think the word that I used in, in a story in Sports Business Journal was, dis, the PGA Tour was dissuading them from doing business with, uh, with the Live Golf. Um, so they're the, you know, some of the developer, developers of the shot tracers, you know, kind of stopped talking to, to Live Golf because, you know, their bread is buttered by the PGA Tour. Well, I, I, uh, there's a uh, NEP group. They're a big sort of production company. They roll the trucks into all these events. And then, you know, all of the networks, ESPN and NBC and CBS and Fox, they all send their directors in, uh, and producers into these trucks to, uh, to help get it. Any, you can't do a golf event without NEP nowadays. And NEP, basically, it looks like they're saying, you know, screw you to the, to the PGA Tour. We're gonna, we're gonna work with, uh, with Live Golf as well. Um, that's particularly interesting. There's a, uh, they're going to start their tournaments 
in, uh, in London in June. They still don't have a U.S. deal uh, uh, in place to show them. Uh, the PGA Tour has deals with just about everybody. They don't have a deal with Fox Sports. Fox Sports was talking with them at one point, but those, uh, those talks have run, gone dormant. They could be on BN Sports, I suppose. They could kind of do a streaming service, I suppose. Uh, I don't know how, if you're in the U.S., you're going to be able to see these events. Interesting. I liked your word dissuade. It's such a like gentle word. Like we, <laughs> we it's not a golf word. Like the PG, I can see like Jim Nance saying that they dissuaded them uh, from working with anybody. And then you said, but then uh, I, I would hazard a guess there's not been a one New York Post back page that has word, the word dissuade on it, Andrew. <laughs> Uh, George Steinbrenner dissuaded <laughs> from wearing, from having beards. Uh, no, he ordered uh, or reprimanded. A lot, of, a lot of words, not dissuaded. Um, all right, let's go now uh, to the big get, uh, which is Kendrick Perkins. A Kendrick, of course, ESPN analyst, NBA champion, uh, now on the Marshan and Orient Sports Media Podcast. First of all, Kendrick, thanks for joining us. Appreciate y'all having me, fellas. It's an honor. I really do. I really do. Big fans. I appreciate y'all having Big Perk on, a big boy from the country. Thank you for having me. Well, you know what? That's good because that brings us like where we want to start. All right, you grew up in Beaumont, Texas. I uh, did. I did. And I worked, my first job out of college, out of Ithaca College, was at the Liberty Vindicator, which is 10 minutes from Beaumont. Uh, Liberty is a small town. I always tell people, I, I worked in real Texas. Um, and you know what? And listen to this, Kendrick. I, when I was in college, I had a chance. I interviewed uh, with ESPN for a job in programming. They called uh -huh. me up for a second interview. Uh, and I turned him down to stay in Liberty because I want to be a sports writer. So anyways, well, did you read the Liberty Vindicator? I, I I did not, but let me say let me say this to you. One, I want to send my condolences, okay, for having to be out there at Liberty with one grocery store and two and two stoplights, okay. I want to say that I feel sorry for your loss, but you know what? Hey, look, growing up in the country in a small town like that in Texas, you know what? It makes you stay focused, right? Because the only thing you can do and really can't, the only thing it is to do is to lock in on what you want to do in your life for as your work. So I think that probably is why you're here today, right? It might have been. It might have been. I actually wrote a column about this one high school, Liberty, which was much bigger than his other high school, Harden, that they shouldn't play each other. And these kids and these parents came down. They wanted to kill me. They came down. To, they got me prepared <laughs> to deal with people, you know, with the players and the analysts doing this job. All right, let me ask you. All right, so you're growing up in Beaumont, uh, obviously, wanted to be an NBA player, tremendous uh uh, you know, young player, AAU, you and LeBron, um, you know, were, were the best for a long time uh, growing up. But did how about broadcasting? Was that something you kind of had your eye on? Did you watch certain people when you're growing up in Beaumont? What was your, you know, in terms of that element of it, where you are now, was that in your mind at all? No, no. It was so far away from my mind. Even when I was playing in the NBA, I never thought about, I never thought that I would be in this position, to be honest with you. <laughs> Excuse me. And when I think about it, you know, I always wanted to be a coach, right? Like after I finished playing basketball, that was my dream. I actually wanted, I wanted to be the next head coach. That was a big man that played in the NBA because I feel like we get disrespected, right? They always go to the point guards or, or shooting guards. Like they're the only people with a high IQ. And so what I tried to do is I started really on Twitter, uh, you know, throwing things out there, you know, about the playoffs and things to that nature. And all of a sudden, 
I got a DM from Fox and then I got DMs from ESPN. Like, hey, you want to come on to the show? I'm like, yeah, I would want to come on. And so I was just trying to get my voice out there to other organizations to let them know, like, hey, you know, Big Perk got a little knowledge. I start off as an assistant coach or, or player development. Uh, I just wanted to get my voice out there. And all of a sudden, they started liking old Big Perk from the country. And they said, you know what, Perk, we want to have you back on. And then we want to lock you in for the finals. And all of a sudden, I was like, I'm kind of liking this. Look, I'm going to watch basketball anyway. I'm going to do that regardless. And now I get to go talk noise about it on national television. Oh, this is a, this is a dream for me. So, Perk, when you got started doing that, like you're you're obviously, you're obviously just yourself, but did you pattern that after anybody? Like like how did you approach that? You you know what I I remember um, I always was a guy that that spoke my mind right even in the locker room, and so <clears throat> I never really watched anybody. I watched Charles Barkley, you know, watched the TNT show. I always watched Stephen A. You know, Stuart Scott and all those guys, and I was like man, they come on there and sometimes they will say words that I didn't know and I still don't know to this day. And I'm like, hold on. So I got to I gotta listen to this. And then after I finish listening to it, I actually got to go look this word up to see what it means and go back and rewind it and rewatch it again so I could put it all together. So my approach to it was like, you know what? I'm going to go in like we, we actually had a domino table playing dominoes and talking sports or in the barbershop or we fishing and we all, all of a sudden we're talking about sports. That's how I want to, you know, break it down to them. And, and you know, what's crazy is that I have more old fans, meaning like old people that come up to me and say, I really enjoy you, Mr. Perkins, like sweet old ladies and grumpy grandpas that come up to me because I'm not, I'm breaking it down to them where it's just like I'm sitting in front of them in a kitchen or their front room and we just having a general conversation. John, maybe that's why we like him. <laughs> hey, I want to go. Andrew mentioned this uh, earlier. You, you played AAU with uh, with LeBron James, of course. You you've known him for such a long time. He's had more written and said about him than anybody in the NBA right now. Tell us something that people don't know about Le- LeBron. I remember when we were sixteen years old, and LeBron and I were at a tournament together. And I remember we just finished playing on a, I believe it was a Saturday afternoon and everybody was going to McDonald's. And I was like, Bron, where you headed? He was like, I'm going to media training. And I was like, you going to media training? He was like, yeah, I'm going to media training. And so with, now that I look back, he was before his time. So it wasn't just about him going to media training. So when he get asked questions, he know what to say. It was about him going to media training to to accept the the positive uh, input and all the negativity that people say about him, right? And so when I see him handling things the way he handles it today, because everybody who talk about LeBron James are not just saying great things about him, right? You do have some that love him, some that hate him, and there's some that's in between. And look, he's no saint, right? He does he messes up. He he does things just like a normal person would. But the way that he handles that criticism is like no other that I ever seen play in the game of basketball. For as him being able to take it and not respond, especially when you have a platform like everybody does now that's playing to respond on their social media if they don't like what somebody says about them. 
but you never get that reaction from LeBron James. Never. Now, speaking of reactions, you're outspoken. You said it. you kind of treat it like you're playing dominoes and you're just talking about the NBA. When you're like that, players react, I would presume. You know, how, how do they react when you talk about them? Oh, I get text messages and phone calls every day, every day. And it's not, it's not just like, you know, it's not like, oh, Perk, you could lose my number. It's like, oh, that's what we on? And I'm like, yeah, that's what we on. If you play better, then I could talk about you. You know, in a, in a in a in a positive way. But if you if you mess it up, I gotta tell, I gotta call it like I see it. So you know, the great thing about it is this: guys, know I played with a lot of guys that were that are future Hall of Famers, that are in the Hall of Fame, uh, things to that nature. And the same perk that they see on television is the same guy I was in the locker room. So they know that because I accepted it as well, but I was hard on people, especially franchise guys when they came and they approached the game and wasn't playing up to the level that, you know, I knew I knew that they could play at. So when they see me on television, they like, oh, that's just perfect again. But I do get those text messages every now and then when they like, oh, so that's how you feel today? And I'm like, yeah, that's how I feel today. And then all of a sudden that conversation go from five minutes to an hour. And we going back and forth. Then by the time we hang up, it's like, I'll holler at you tomorrow. I love you. I love you too. All right, then get off my phone. <laughs> <laughs> What's your best story? Give us your best one. Um, you, you know what? I, I will say this. Uh, it, it, it's Katie. It's Katie. Like right now, our friendship is so, you know, it's there. Our brotherhood is there. But I already know that if I say something, like for example, this past series, with the Celtics. Game one, I went on first take and I was like, KD got pumped. And so as I'm doing the show in commercial break, I look down at my cell phone and I just see KD, right? So I'm like, oh, uh, in a text message. So I'm like, oh, my, here we go. So I open the text message and it's just a bunch of cuss words. I mean, he's he's he, he's reading me my rights. I'm saying ML for this, ML for that. But you right though, you spot on. And I was like, all right, then cool. I said, well, go out there and handle your business. You know what I mean? So, like, th those are one of the stories. And then, you know what? I get some from, you know, former coaches, you know, uh, general managers. But the great thing about it is that the general managers and coaches don't have feelings in it, right? And I also then got one where I'm actually working on getting my relationship back with one of my brothers who was very, very upset in Russell Westbrook. You know, I defended Russell Westbrook for years. And this year he struggled. And it was a topic that came up on first take and they, and they asked, they said, out of the big three that's in with the Lakers, which one would you trade? Now, you're not going to trade LeBron James. Okay, let's be realistic. You're not going to trade Anthony Davis. Let's be real about that. So the person who's left to answer the question is, for me, was Russell Westbrook. Now, I don't make up the topics. That's the first thing people have to realize. I, I get the topics and I got to go and answer them like the way that I feel. And so I said it and it's kind of, and it hurt me though, because I'm actually working on getting this relationship back. And I said, I said, Russell Westbrook is the guy that the Lakers need to train. And his wife actually reached out to my wife and with a long text message and was like, hey, it hurts me, you know, that Kendrick, you know, said that Russ needs to be traded. 
I finally, we finally got him back home because obviously, you know, while he was playing with the Wizards or whatever, Russ, his family wasn't with him. So she's like, my, my kids finally got him back home and we finally got him back. And we're, we're so happy that he's back home in the house with us and things to that nature. And it messed me up. It was messed me up like, dang, I felt bad. But at the same time, I'm like, look, I reached back out to her and I sent her a long, heartfelt message. And I said, look, Nina, one thing about it, I would never disrespect your family. We're talking about the game of basketball. And if you know, I'm one of Russell Westbrook's biggest supporters. And so she never responded back, right? So I, I figured she was mad, really upset with me. But, you know, and then after the fact, I was thinking to myself, I'm like, well, you know, at the end of the day, Russ, Russ getting paid a lot of money. So if he happened to go and play for another team, why not just take your family with you? I mean, I was, I did that. So, you know, either, you know, he's going to get over it and come back and say, you know, Perk is just doing his job or we'll just have to move on. And that's how life goes. How did you respond when you were a player and you were publicly criticized? I didn't care. I didn't care. I mean, uh -huh. I, I, literally, I literally was on Shaq and the Fool uh, a lot. And me and Shaq are great friends. Like, we're great friends. And I, I had responded a couple of times and said, Shaq, you're right. I was tripping on that play. The only time that I was upset is when I got traded to the Oklahoma City Thunder, right? And I was with Russell Westbrook, Kevin Durant, and James Harden. And I had just came from a veteran team with the Boston Celtics where KG, Rondo, Paul, Ray, they played a, you know, somewhat agenda-free basketball because they had nothing to prove, right? They had accomplished pretty much everything individually except for Rondo, who was a past first point guard. So I'm used to the, like, if I'm open, I'm used to getting the ball and having confidence. But when I got to Oklahoma City, it wasn't like that with those young guys. So I, before I even played a game, I signed a contract extension with the Oklahoma City Thunder. And my stats were not good coming out of that contract the following year. So I was making $10 million a year, but I was only averaging like 4.8 points a game. But I wasn't getting the ball enough. And so every time we would lose a game, <clears throat> or that year when we lost to the Dallas Mavericks in the uh, – I'm sorry. And oh, we lost to the Miami Heat. And James Harden was coming up for the contract negotiations. They was like, oh, Amnesty Kendrick Perkins and make room for James Harden. And like at that point in time, my wife was affected by it, along with my, you know, she was hearing it and it was locally. And she like, well, they never made it out of the first round until you got here. Now all of a sudden they trying to say this and that. And so that's the only time it really bothered me. It's kind of like you're uh, kind of similar to the Russell Westbrook story. The thing that stood out for me is like, we're always like, we don't write the headlines. You're like, we don't, you're like, I, I don't make the topics on first take. Right. You know, what's crazy is this. When you, when you sign up for the NBA and you enter the draft, you sign up for obviously the, the fortune is the money side of things, but you sign up for the fame. <clears throat> and sometimes Majority of the time is going to be good fame or great fame. But then you have that other end that's bad fame. This is what you signed up for. Like KG always used to say, just like you rush to the television or 
social media to, to read about yourself when you have a good game. Do the same thing when you have a bad game and use that as fuel. But I don't understand guys who make 40 to $45 million a year and are losing sleep about somebody critiquing them about their performance on the basketball court when you're a public icon. It makes zero sense to me. So Kendrick, where do you want to take this? What's the ceiling in broadcasting for you? You know what? I, 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 um, to the point where I'm like, <clears throat> I want to make this career better than my last career. Cause I have, I have so many regrets when it comes down to what I could have done, the amount of work I could have put in, the dieting, the, the sacrificing, meaning not going out, things to that nature, whether I was drinking or whatever the case may be, even to the point where it was like at certain points when <clears throat> I was doing stuff like, you know, smoking marijuana, like I have regrets. And so now that I'm in this space, I always say, I'm, I'm going to wake up, I'm going to prepare myself. There's no shortcuts. No matter what I got to do, I'm going to work through it. And so my approach to this career is, I don't even like to be called, and I told I told them this at the network at ESPN. When I come on television, don't refer to me as the NBA champion no more. That's my past life. What I am now is the NBA analyst. And I want to take that career and make sure that I put my all into it and do everything I possibly can to make this career better and, and go out there and maximize the most, the, the best of my ability. Now, will I get all the predictions right? No, but we don't get paid on predictions. Like, that's the one thing people need to realize. We do not get paid on predictions. Like, in the playoffs, you could say, oh, I got this team winning. And all of a sudden, a guy just may not play well. That's not on you. You can't control what another person is doing. But that's my goal is to is to maximize and be the best that I could be and not shortcut anything. So at this moment, I don't go out. I don't drink. I don't smoke. I don't do none of that. I stay level-headed. I lock in. I wake up every morning at 4.30, even if I'm not on television watching other people around the, around other networks as well, trying to steal, or not steal, but trying to just be a student of the game from other areas. Like one person that I look up to and, and watch for is his charisma from another network is Shannon Sharp, because I like some of his delivery and the way that he put things out there, right? It's kind of like men, we call them like punchlines. And so I may go and see how he delivers certain things or how he set it up, but that's just how it is though. That's what I want. I want this career to be better than my last career. And, I, and, and I'm so far away from coaching right now, you wouldn't even imagine. Coaches off the table? Yeah, yeah. Nice, now the broadcasting is working out from Beaumont to broadcasting. Yes, uh, yes, yes. I actually, turned down, I actually turned down two jobs this past summer and I was just like, nah, two assistant coaching jobs. I said, nope, I love where I'm at right now. What, what jobs? So I had an opportunity for the Lakers, and I also had opportunity for the Oklahoma City Thunder. Hmm. Yeah, this pays better. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. yeah. And an assistant coach, certainly, yeah. 
<laughs> the chicks are pretty nice, right? <laughs> uh, well, Kendrick, it's our pleasure having you on. Uh, you know, you, you talked about uh, what it takes to be good. Uh, the key to me is, do you want to hear what the person says? And I think, you know, obviously most of the people listening to our podcast know your work, but if they don't, after listening to this, uh, I think next time you're on the TV and they see you, they'll be like, yeah, I got to hear what uh, Kendrick Perkins has to say. So uh, we really appreciate your time. And anybody that sees you on TV knows that you're unabashedly yourself, Kendrick, on on, on television. I I got one quick question before you go. Dominoes, when you win, what do you say? Uh, I I know you didn't sit down at this table and expected anything differently. Or I may say as expected. (laughs) You know (laughs) what I mean? That's how confident I am. I mean, I came out of my mother's womb playing dominoes. That's one thing I do. I'm going to play some dominoes. Uh, I want to hear the commentary of the NBA players when you're playing dominoes as opposed to TV. You got to hold back a little bit, I think, on TV. Yeah, I, I, you know, it's a, it, it might have to be edited a lot and it can't be live. It might have, be, have to be pre-recorded. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Kendrick. We appreciate it, man. I hey, appreciate, appreciate it, man. Thanks, Thank man. you very much. Thank y'all. Kendrick Perkins, as good as I was expecting, I, he, he was exactly like he was on screen and it's apparently exactly like he is off screen. I mean, he just brings himself to, to, to the, uh, to every interview I've seen him do. Look, the thing that separates him is just, he's honest, right? Like even when we followed up, he had a couple of assistant coaching opportunities. He said what they were. A lot of guys would be like, eh, I can't say he's just honest and open. Uh, and he has a presence. He just has a presence. You know, TV is a visual. Uh, it's not only uh, what you have to say. Uh, and Marcus Spears, who, um, who, uh, Perkins does a uh, a podcast with. He has that as well. Uh, I don't know if it's a Southern thing, but, you know, it's a big guy thing, but there's something about them. Uh, you want to hear what they have to say, uh, and it's just a style, so that, that was enjoyable. Yeah, the, the one thing that I have is that I didn't want to call him Perk. Perk's his nickname. Like, he's, he's Kendrick. I'm, we're, we're, we're not buddies, and there's something about his personality drew me in, and I, I slipped once or twice. I, I referred to him as, as Perk. I just, but he kept I, calling himself Big Perk. I stayed yeah. Kendrick. That's like an old-school baseball. I didn't do Big Perk. I just left it at Perk. I, 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 I left the big out. Yes. <laughs> but he was tremendous. Ah, he does. You're right. He brings you in. I could see him being a coach, but it doesn't sound like that. That ship sailed. I mean, he's not going to have to take a pay cut to be a coach. You see, hey, like you said, he makes more money now. Yeah. All right. Let's do our call of the week. Call of the week. John, the Mets had their second no hitter in team history last week. Uh, Howie Rose from WCBS uh, radio in New York was on the call of a second no hitter Met history. Diaz staring at him on the rubber. Diaz looking into McCann. Diaz brings the hands together. The 0-2 pitch. Swung out and missed straight three. He got him with a slider. Put it in the box. Five Mets pitchers have combined to no-hit the Philadelphia Phillies. It is the second no-hitter in Mets franchise history. This one takes a village, but they get it done. So, John, Howie Rose is a legend. Uh, When you look at it in New York, we've had a lot of uh, great broadcasters. in our history, uh, it it dates back and and Rose is another one, uh, here. Uh, and you know, that call, I mean, he just nailed every part of it. I love the, the, you know, outro line, um, about taking a village. Uh, and so a tremendous call, uh, from Howie Rose. You know, what really surprises me about our pod, uh, is that I didn't expect our calls of the week 
would have so many radio calls, but they, you know, the, 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 these are announcers that connect with their audience and they're describing everything they see. They, they bring uh, the best ones, bring excitement and energy to, to their calls. And uh, that, that was just another good one. All right, this is a great, it is an enjoyable pod. Uh, we want to thank our new sponsor, USA Track and Field, uh, for being our presenting sponsor. And then Kendrick Perkins, uh, who was the big get and a tremendous guest. Uh, John, enjoyable as always. Yeah, uh, thanks everybody for listening. Uh, please uh, go and rate us and uh, give a comment. Uh, we're, we're told, we don't know if this is true, but we're told it works. Uh, there's something that, that that works about it, but we would appreciate it. We're told we're like Statler and Wardorf. Oh my goodness. <laughs> I know. Yeah. Give us, give us like a more contemporary critique. Oh, I please. love Statler and Wardorf. My mom loves Statler and Wardorf. All right. Uh, I think it's tremendous Wal compliments. By the way, I think it's Waldorf, no? How did I say it? How did you say it again? Waldorf. Um, <laughs> it's your New York accent. <laughs> Thanks, everybody. Thanks. Bye. <laughs>